The beginning of Palm Sunday appears to begin with a mundane to-do list. Unremarkable errands written on a scrap of paper. After checking off each request, go into the village, get the donkey, explain it to the locals, bring it back to me. The list falls in the crack between the driver's seat and the console forgotten. Jesus has sent his disciples on an errand that seems almost too insignificant to mention. Wasn't it just a few miles back up the road that James and John were jostling for cabinet positions? Teacher, do us a favor. When you come into your glory, grant us seats, one on your left and one on your right. But Jesus says, oh, it's power you want. I have a better idea. Go get me a donkey. The popular preacher Tom Long once called this peculiar errand donkey detail. For these disciples, humility is one thing. Humiliation is another. And yet, couched in the middle of this donkey detail, there's the odd entry that reveals God's humble love. It piques our curiosity and finally justifies Mark's inclusion of these strange instructions. You'll find a colt there that has never been ridden. On this Palm Sunday, as we affirm that God is humble love, I wager that this is a stacked phrase that's well worth unpacking. You will find a colt there that has never been ridden. It's appropriate to admire or honor people who show humility in all things. We like humble people. They're modest. They don't seek their own way. They're not boastful or rude. They don't draw attention to themselves. Even better if they're self-deprecating. Some of the most popular comedians of the last half century spend a better portion of their sets making fun of themselves and their shortcomings and their shortfalls. We roll our eyes at big egos. They're, they're not funny, and we don't enjoy their company. We don't enjoy selfish or self-referential people. Proverbs even teaches us that arrogance has consequences. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. So there's something endearing about Jesus riding a donkey, isn't there? This is our humble Lord. It does reveal something significant about God's character, that this, this new king would ride something, such a lowly mode of transportation. But there's something, there's something more to all of this. There, there's more to all of this than the humility represented by riding a donkey. This is a cult that's never been ridden. When Jesus sends the disciples on their errand, he's announcing that he's about to do something new. He's about to do something that's never been done. Whatever is coming next is going to be a revelation. Whatever it is that Jesus is about to do, we've never seen it done before. Now, to be sure, we've seen royal processions before. There was Simon Maccabeus, the triumphant rebel, who two centuries before, about two centuries earlier, is said to have entered Jerusalem the same way as Jesus, with praise and palm branches and with hymns and songs. A couple of decades after Jesus' death, there was also Menahem, 
a rebel leader who led a kingly procession right through the city gates, right after raiding Herod's armory. And even besides all this riffraff, royal processions were still rather common in Jesus' time. Governor Pilate would have commanded significant attention every time he traveled back into Jerusalem from his beach house in Caesarea Philippi, flanked by a military guard and other officials and attendants, either ignoring the bystanders as they paid obeisance or nodding at them with patrician disdain. All this is to say that it would have been obvious to Jesus' contemporaries that by processing into Jerusalem in this way was to proclaim his sovereignty over those who currently held power. But remember, unlike the cavalries of Simon and Menahem and Pilate, this was a cult that had never been ridden before. The Blessed One has come in the name of the Lord, but he's come in a very different way, a new way, a revelatory way. What is this new way? Unlike Simon and Menahem and Pilate, and unlike the generals and the politicos of our time, Jesus reveals a God who refuses to rule by force or coercion or military prowess or royal decree, just when we might have expected a coup at the palace. Jesus, in one of the most anticlimactic moments in history, enters Jerusalem with this sort of faux military fanfare and marches up to the top of the steps, not of the palace, but of the temple, and he looks around and he doesn't do anything. And then he leaves. Have we seen this cult ridden before? Have we ever seen humility like this before? This kind of loving trust. The humility of God that Jesus embodies on Palm Sunday is a world historic inauguration of a kind of humility that will finally bring down the powers from their thrones. Hear this. The humility of God humbles the proud. You may not remember her name, but you likely remember the photograph. It was taken in the summer of 2016. It was a young black mother named Aisha Evans. She's standing alone in the middle of a street in downtown Baton Rouge, Louisiana. She's protesting the death of a black man, Alton Sterling, who'd been shot days before by Baton Rouge police. Now, if you're looking at the picture, to the left side there are two law enforcement officers who are approaching Ms. Evans before apprehending her. And there in the, the middle of the picture, she stands with, with confidence, just confidence and conviction, chin up, shoulders back. She even appears to be giving off some kind of mysterious power. The officers seem like they're straining to stand upright as they try to pierce some invisible force field around her and cuff her hands with those plastic zip ties. 
while they're not only armed and dressed in riot gear, chest plates, helmets, Miss Evans is armed in a sundress and flats. If the picture had been a video, we might never have seen it captured this way. She was quickly arrested and scuttled away into custody. But every time I see this image, I think of the confrontation of powers that we see today on Palm Sunday. Ms. Evans is Christian, by the way. When people reached out to her about the photograph, she said, I appreciate all the love and the well wishes, but this is God's power, and I'm just a vessel. And then like a good Palm Sunday bystander, she said, glory be to God. You see, today the humility of God does not come making threats of violence or retribution against those who manage the current jurisdictions. Rather, the humility of God exposes that coercion, force, and violence are the only powers they have. And this goes all the way down. This humility of, of God, this love of God, comes to us today not only in the middle of the streets of the city, but into our homes and into our hearts. This is the cult that has never been ridden before, loving all the way without coercion, without force, without manipulation, and without violence. This is the way God saves the world in Jesus. And because it can be so infuriating for the powers to have their powers exposed as being so empty, this is why the humility of God also leads to a cross. It won't be long before Jesus comes back to the temple and tosses the tables and chases away the money changers. And then he will be arrested for an assortment of crimes against church and state. And he'll be scuttled away to be pierced. But don't forget the good news inherent in what he said to the disciples to tell those villagers who are overseeing the cult. He gives them the errand list, and one of the instructions is to tell the villagers, don't worry, we'll bring it back immediately. So as we move through this Holy Week, which inaugurates today, this Palm Sunday, remember this good news. This cult that at one point had never been ridden before has now been ridden and we've been shown this new way, and Jesus sends the cult back to us in the midst of our village and every village. The way is here for us now, revealed in the town square, in pulpits across the world, 
and deep down in, we, in our hearts. Isn't it good news? Now we know the way. <laughs>